Hey guys, Alex here. We've got an awesome episode coming up ahead of us, but before we dive into it, we've got a quick word from our sponsor, Food and Stuff. Look, in this episode of Parks and Rec, there's a big debate about Food and Stuff and how Leslie shuts it down for just a small period. We want you guys to know unequivocally that the Plain Sight podcast stands behind Ron. We love food. We love stuff. We love food and stuff. If you ever find yourself in Pawnee, I think the first place you should go is JJ's and get some waffles. Come on now. No, no kidding around there. But the next place is to go to food and stuff. Man, we've got an awesome episode coming up ahead. One thing you will notice is we had some listeners message us about their favorite Parks and Rec moments. We want to read your guys' mail, mail-ins out loud. You can mail to us at plainsightpod at gmail.com. Send us your questions, send us your suggestions, your thoughts, your fears, your deepest insecurities. We'll put you on the pod. We're super excited. You can also find us at our website, plainsightpod.wordpress.com and any of our socials, plainsight underscore pod. Look, we're talking conflict resolution. We're talking breakfast for dinner. We're talking a great Laffrey with Zachary song lyrics that I didn't even know were real or not. And most of all, we're talking Leslie and Ron and Parks and Rec, one of our favorite shows ever. Sit down, grab your JJ's Diner waffles, and take in the show. Enjoy it, guys. What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Plain Sight Podcast. My name is Alex Sons. I'm here with my good old buddies, my good old pals, Cam Jordan. Cam, what it is? How's it going, my man? And Zach Kuyat. Zach, hello. Hello, good sir. That felt very formal. I tried to respond I would like in kind. to point out, I asked you a very specific question, and you did not answer it. I said, how's it going, up at the top, and you just moved right past. <laughs> Alex, I would like to know, how is it going? How is it going? You know, it's... It, it's good. It's good, I guess. You know, um, <laughs> okay. You know, don't get too high. Don't get too low. You know, stay even keeled. Uh, let's get emotional. But um, I think I'm doing okay. Okay. I respect that. I'm not going to ask you guys because I don't want that to be the whole top of the pod. That's um, what we do for the first 20 minutes of this episode. <laughs> just talk about our feelings. Let's yeah. talk about our feelings. How does that Not make that you we feel? shouldn't talk about our feelings, but maybe it's not podcast material. You know, it could be podcast material, just no one would listen to it. But, I mean, who's really listening to this, if we're Honestly, being honest? True. This would be maybe the only time my mom heard about my feelings. So, we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> a very similar relationship with my mother. But, anyways, um, we're talking about Parks and Rec. And our favorite, well, our second favorite segment is Take It Backery with Zachary. But today, Zach is fired. Cam, what are we talking about? Hi, it's me, Zachary, with an X. Um, so today we are talking about Parks and Rec season seven, episode four. So Ron and Leslie, if you haven't watched, are two of the main characters throughout the series and they are polar opposites in every single way. Ron hates the government. Leslie loves the government. They both work for the government. It's kind of a weird show. I get it. But they're <laughs> fighting, and they have been, and nobody knows why. So all of their friends lock them in a room for 12 hours and take away their phones and any ability they have to communicate with the outside world except a baby monitor, which Leslie breaks when she gets upset at Ron. Because this is how every conflict management should go. You lock each other in a room and just see what happens. So they fight That's what it we're out. here to say today. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they fight it out, and eventually 
uh, get to a point where they learn uh, the deep-rooted cause of their conflict was honestly just some miscommunication um, and a little bit of a busy schedule, which I know we're going to dive into that a little bit more throughout the episode, but um, it was kind of a bottleneck episode where they, you know, they didn't leave the room. We just kind of saw them in one place, um, and it was kind of the epitome of their relationship with them being just polar opposites on every single way. But Parks and Rec, obviously being one of the biggest shows um, and, and are growing up, um, I reached out to a couple friends and I just asked them their thoughts on Leslie and Ron and why they love them so much. Um, one thing we want to do as we're going through these, um, you know, every week is, is ask you guys that are listening, uh, what you think about the shows and the songs we're listening to. Um, so next week we're going to be talking about Ben Rector, the song, um, song in the suburbs. Is that right? Yeah, we'll probably talk a lot of Ben Rector, but I think we're going to focus it there. Yeah. And so if you have any thoughts on him or that song, please let us know, and we'll be reaching out to some of y'all as well. Um, some of the responses I got this week, shout out to the first one, Hannah Treat, um, says that the beauty um, that two completely different people can be friends, even more they can respect each other and know each other so well, even if they aren't intentionally opening up and sharing, because you know Ron doesn't open up. He only cries at the Grand Canyon. And I get it. Uh, and then uh, my guy, Dane Raider, said, um, that's tough. I would say that it's at their pure opposites, literally every level, and learn how to communicate with each other's jargon so well. So a couple of people kind of talking about what we're talking about this week, how to deal when you are kind of polar opposites and when that turns into conflict. So there we are. I saw a funny Grand Canyon meme today. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a picture of the Grand Canyon, and it said, a meteor hit the earth and made this huge hole and somehow just barely missed the, uh, the gift shop. <laughs> <That's just laughs> <right outside. laughs> I thought it was so funny. That's good. Oh, man. No, I had a, I had a friend I in high school who once told me he was going on a cruise to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Come to find, it was That's Grand Cayman, but... Uh, he thought oh, it was the Grand place. Canyon at first. Um, yeah, I go. mean, could you? <laughs> no. It, no. If you count Tec whitewater rafting as a on cruise. What, a, what is a cruise? Now, right? here's I, an interesting like, We're cruising question. in the car. So, like, if we... <laughs> is an RV a cruise? Yeah, but we have, we have a word for that. It's road it's trip. Not, it's not a float. It, it's not called a float. It's not called a boat. <laughs> It's not no, called it, a. It is called a boat. Like yeah, it, quite it's literally. Not called a, it's a called sail. a cruise ship. Like quite literally, it's it is a, a cruise. ship. <laughs> what about cruising? Has to do with water specifically. I don't think it does. I mean, you can cruise in like, like old cars too. People say they're like cruising. That's what I'm saying. There's the cruise, cruise down Nolan. So road is a road trip, trip just a cruise? No, it's a road trip. I mean, it, by definition, could it be a cruise? You can cruise, but it is not a cruise. Yeah, you don't go on a cruise. You go cruising. You can cruise, but it is not an cruise. A yes. square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square. I don't know what that All meant, thumbs are fingers, not all fingers are thumbs. Exactly. That is not the second time I've said that on this podcast. I feel really accomplished. I'm going to make it three next week. <laughs> and now for our, <laughs> for our weekly Cat in the Hat segment. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> is that a is that our one of our running bits is just you talking about cat in the hat and us being upset about it over under how many times have you watched through all of parks and rec four uh two or three wait oh wait hold up over under you yeah, have to give us something to go over or under 
you know, I just say like two and a half so you can <laughs> guess? Let's put, the, let's put it at three and a half. Okay, well then four. So over. Uh, under, but I think it's three. I've lost so much track. I think I've. I think I'm at the over. I mean, that and like, this is within the last couple of years. Like, I didn't watch this movie until I started dating Melody. So I guess that's four years ago. But it's been a lot of times. It's good, and that doesn't count. I mean, this is one of my go-to. Like, just find a random episode, click play, and see what happens. Exactly. I think that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe not. You consciously say I'm going to watch season one through season seven. But, like, I've watched every single episode in this how many times? Sure. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I always wonder, it's this weird theory in my head, like, I wonder, like, what episode of How I Met Your Mother I've watched the least? Or, like, which episode of Parks and Rec I've watched the least amount of times, like, without even knowing it? It's not any of the Little Sebastian episodes. Those are the ones I've watched the most. 5,000 Candles in the Wind? Hot take? <laughs> Song of the Decade. Song of the Decade for sure. I mean, not even Song of the Decade, but like greatest TV show song. Maybe just like best song, I think. <laughs> I, I kind of like that song. <laughs> and, and best song Ghostbusters, best though. Song. Oh, we did just talk Ghostbusters, and that, that earns best song. Yeah, but they are it's, so it different It goes the dynamics. Ghostbusters theme, 5,000 Candles in the Wind, and then like maybe Footloose after that, because I think Footloose is a Huge gap. <laughs> Huge gap. The Bill song from School of Rock. Oh, I yes. thought you were going to say the Bill Nye and the Science Guy theme song, because I think that also belongs Which up, is up also oh, top five. Oh, my gosh, it's up so there. We're yeah, that's up there. <laughs> Man, okay. Uh, I think Parks and Rec is just ridiculously enjoyable. I don't understand people that don't like it. Like, usually, like, we're going to talk about conflict resolution and people being different and be able to understand people's differences and listen. <laughs> I do not understand if you do not like Parks and Rec. I just don't get it. It's the most like lighthearted, enjoyable. It's not as dry as The Office, so I feel like you can have a little bit of both. What I will give those people is that the first Gosh, time, the first few episodes you. are take not a, take good. a stand. The first few episodes are not that good. True, I believe the last few episodes are also not that good. Yeah, but most of the show the is very good. But the first few that are like just kind of boring, and there's a lot of Mark Brandanowitz. Just, like, don't work. And I think Ron Swanson saves the first season of that show so that it could get funny later. Well, I mean, also, like, Ron I Swanson guess we could talk is about this. a major part of saving the entire series. Yeah. Ron Swanson is the greatest TV show character of all time. I love him. He's so good. That's a good one. He's just a treasure. Um, which I was going to wait for the silly zone, but whatever. So we're talking about a specific episode, but not really. We're basically talking about Leslie and Ron's relationship throughout the entire span of things because this is an episode where the relationship is in shambles. That's what I kind of don't like about this last season is like, oh, we fast, you know, fast forward to the future. Everything's different. We got to fix it. And it's kind of annoying, like not being able to see all the in-betweens. Like you go six seasons where like you're there for every moment. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, well, actually in between seasons, all of this stuff happened. Right. uh, I hate it. Stop. But so... There's all this conflict between Ron um, tearing down Anne's old home uh, to build an apartment complex next to Leslie's pride and joy. Morning Star. Which is the a great pit. right name for an apartment <laughs> complex. Morning Star is an awesome name. Like I think of like the most like Star Trek name of all time. Mm, yeah. Um, That's good. Just like Morning Star. Um, it'd be a really cool spaceship. But for sure. 
we come, and I think for me, one of the most powerful moments when it comes to this, like, when I was thinking, like, big themes is, I will not lie to you, I was a little emotional. Once again, watching this in the office at work, propped up on the, on the phone so I could see it, like, I'm a little emotional. Yeah. I, I, I could be a little extra emotional when it comes to things like this, but I just feel like this one had me. This one just had Bubba all in the feels, and especially when he looks at her and he says something, of, but, but that's not the whole story. Yeah. That was a and tough then, moment. And then, boom, he's done talking because the three minutes are up. That's another part of these shows that I hate is when they give the three minutes and you know something stupid is going to happen at the end of the three minutes and they're going to leave me on a cliffhanger. Are you going to say him <laughs> making a key that perfectly fit that door out of just a piece of wood was stupid? Because that was freaking awesome. <laughs> no, no. I'm talking like, okay, I'll set a timer. We'll talk for this long. And then always at the end, it's like you know cliffhanger that, at the end. Yeah, at minute... At makes me so anxious the entire start time. Getting into things and then the timer is going to go off. Yep, so stupid. But it was so powerful. And he comes in. And he talks about how he was going to ask her for a job and how she stood him up. And you see the whole other perspective. And it's cheesy, but there's something so, especially now, something so powerful in learning how to listen. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so much in like something that's really like struck me over the last couple of years, but especially the last couple of weeks is like my opinion isn't always needed, uh, but my support is. Yeah. Like we, especially with, with social media, it's so quick to where if anything happens, my opinion is what you want to hear. Right. Right. Like it's opinion time. Here's what I think about this hot button issue. Here's why I don't respect this. Here's why I back this. Um, but at the end of the day, we don't listen. Um, and it's sort of the argument of like, do people ever actually change? You know, is, will us arguing ever really get to anything? Um, and they show in here how they can be polar opposites politically, um, socially, um, the way they think, believe, the way they eat. Um, and everything about them could not be more different, but their ability to come together because they love each other and to listen to the way the other feels and never invalidate them. Mm, yeah. was so powerful to me. And I know a lot of people are going to hear this and they're going to think, right, I wish someone would listen to the way I feel. Right? I wish they would listen. I wish they could just get that through their head that you know, sometimes you have to listen in an argument. But what you really need to do is you need to hear this and you say, in what ways have I not been listening? Yeah. Um, in what ways could I do a better job of trying to understand um, the situation or the pain or the opinion that someone is trying to put in my face, but I'm so stuck in fighting for what I believe in that I'm not ever going to actually listen. Because it's so hard because we all say that, and I will get in arguments with people to be like, oh, well, you, you just, unnamed people in my family, uh, you, just, you just don't want to listen. Like, you, you just don't want to listen. There's no point in arguing about this. I was like, I don't think you want to listen. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, this is actually a topic where over the last six months, I have changed my opinion because I have listened to people. Right. I just don't think you want to listen. Yeah. And it's such an easy thing for us to use as ammo. Like, well, they're not going to listen. So I just, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And there's no point never having this tough conversation. Um, and it's such an easy out. And they run away from that. So rant over. I'm going to stop rambling and let Cam <laughs> talk. So 
one, I, I completely agree. And when I was watching this episode, I was really just engulfed in the way they were having conflict. I thought, you know, at the beginning, yeah. I thought they were both really immature about it. They both kind of framed it in the way of saying, like, we'll say that I'm right and, and, and you were stubborn all along. And then Ron was like, well, no, we'll say that I was right and you were stubborn. And, and they're both giving their sides. And you really see the epitome of this whole no one has perspective because we don't know what happened. So we are, right. in this case, kind of experiencing it all for the first time, like a, like a third-party negotiator almost, and we're deciding who's right and who's wrong. Um, yeah. But one thing that I was, I was thinking of when I went through this, um, Harvard Law School says that there are three primary forms of conflict. Um, the first Holy one, and, and this goes in with mainly like organizations, but it, it also is fairly interpersonal. And if you're thinking of the local church, or, or even the body of Christ, we operate kind of as an organization. So I think it's applicable. Um, the first is task conflict. It's concrete issues related to work assignments. So this can be either we disagree on what the outcome should be, or yeah. we disagree on what steps need to go to get to that outcome, right? So we don't mm -hmm. agree on the task. The second style is relationship. There's a difference in personality, style, matters of taste, and even conflict styles. So on an interpersonal level, we don't see eye to eye on some things. I think this is where Leslie and Ron fall. I think they operate really well as a team because of their differences. But when you take the work out of it, the relationship didn't mesh enough and they didn't communicate well enough and uphold each other enough that the relationship conflict came into place. And the, the third and final one is value conflict. And it's when there's differences in your identities and your values. And I think this is one that it's the easiest to identify, but I think it's the hardest to overcome because values are very often changing. You can give a little bit on relationships and tasks, but you can't give a whole lot on values. What you value is who you are. So I actually went through and found an example in the Bible where Jesus was faced with each of these different types of conflict and how he responded to them. And I think he can teach us a lot, just as he always can, but about conflict mediation and how we should be responding to conflict. Um, the first one is, is early in Matthew when he's tempted by Satan. And this is very clear value conflict. I mean, it's no secret that Jesus and Satan's values do not line up. And what I'm saying here is not <laughs> next time you're in conflict, Silly you swing. should view the other person as Satan. Let me get ahead <laughs> of that ball. That's not what I'm going for. Behind me, Satan. <laughs> But, um, you know, every time Jesus is met with something that goes against his values, he goes to the Bible. His response is always, here is my value because of what the Bible says. And it's not, here is my value and the Bible also supports me. The Bible is what inspired Jesus's value. And, and the essence of Christ, which is the essence of the Bible, is what inspired him. And so... We shouldn't, Alex, you've talked about this. We shouldn't be creating our own opinions and then going to the Bible and seeing how it can support us. Jesus used the Bible right now. to create his value and used it to combat against conflicting opinions. Yeah. Um, the next one was task conflict. But what's interesting uh, about when Jesus was faced with task conflict was every single time he responded relationally. That was always his response. When he met... Uh, the woman caught in adultery. Um, that was the big example I found. Um, they, he had the same task, and it was how do we solidify the law? How do we make relevant the law in this culture? 
Um, but they disagreed on how to do it. The Pharisees wanted to stone this woman and Jesus wanted to love her. And so his response was every time we're in conflict, there's an emotional attachment there. So he took a step back and he didn't feed into that emotion. He instead took a step back and said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone and then started writing in the sand. He gave them time mm -hmm. to take the emotion out and bring reason into it. And I think we can all afford to, in the middle of conflict, take a step back, take a breath. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I don't think we need to let emotion drive conflict. If we do, we're never going to get anywhere. Um, yeah. The final one being relationship conflict was when he was talking with Peter, kind of what's considered the recommissioning of Peter. Peter denied him three times, and then after Jesus is resurrected, he's having this conversation with him, and they're in conflict because he says to Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes. And he asked him three times, and Peter responded, and by the end, he was frustrated. Jesus found where his frustration was, and it was that he didn't feel worthy to be following Jesus because he denied him. So what Jesus did was he found the core of that conflict with Peter, and he affirmed it. He said, I'm going to make you my rock. Like, I need you. Like, follow me. I still desire for you to follow me. And by affirming what was the vulnerable state of Peter, he mended that conflict. And so I think there's something to be said about figuring out why you're in conflict in the first place, and then reaching out to that person and affirming their spirit, and figuring out how to bring them to a healthier state. And then you'll be able to mend the conflict in a healthy way, kind of like Jesus did. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, because I think what all of those a lot of times come back to is, is acknowledging that the person on the other side of the argument is a person and is not just a difference in ideology. I think a lot of times it becomes like this faceless other. Even yeah. if you're literally standing face to face, it's like, well, I don't actually see you as somebody else. I see you as someone who disagrees about the thing we're talking about. Right. And I think in a lot of ways, all three of those come back to just acknowledging that the person on the other side is also a human being who is made up of their own past and their own experiences. And, and while there are still plenty of reasons that people's thought processes sometimes need to change, you know, there is still room to educate people even today. We miss a lot of times any actual success in having those conversations because we get so wrapped up in wanting to win and wanting to be right. Yeah, mm. I think it's uh, yeah. I, I actually, I actually just bought a shirt uh, from a friend of mine. Uh, her name's Meredith. She's awesome. Great worship leader. Um, does a lot of really great work. And she has this like clothing company. And uh, it says on there, it's based on this article she wrote. And it says, "I see you. I value you. I acknowledge your experience." That's good. Yeah. Um, and it, she wrote it. Uh, a lot of it based off of her and her daughters. Uh, experiences around the recent protest and especially like her daughter's participation in those and the way she was treated um, and being able to speak out and how do you listen um, when people that are being abused or people that are being um, oppressed or people that are being taken advantage of speak to you what is the first reaction and it's been so powerful for me to just think I see you I value you I acknowledge your experience yeah, and, and the opposite version of that is, um, I, we haven't, it's a show that hasn't existed in a while, but uh, Mythbusters was very special in my heart for a long time. Yeah, it was. Um, I remember that. 
Oh yeah, but one of the That's clips the most Zach show ever. You know it is. You know it's a me kind of show. But one of the clips that they always cut into the intro of the show was Adam, one of the main two hosts, saying, "I reject your reality and substitute my own." And while it's a good joke in the moment, I think what it it, it hits on the problem so often in conflict is that yeah. we're unwilling to acknowledge someone else's experience. We're unwilling to to see past what our own affirmation of life is and and see that there is a different version of the world seen through different eyes right i think the most humanizing way to think about that when you're in the middle of conflict like if you ever want to be humbled in the middle of conflict try and just remind yourself that the person you're arguing with is just as loved by god as you and like Mm. jesus died for their sins to the same extent that he died for yours like that will immediately make you treat them with so much more respect because, like, if you think of what God's grace has meant for you and you apply that to other people, it's amazing how much it humbles you very, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good point. It, it you know, it's, it's that really personal thing. I think when you talk about the, the uh, woman caught in adultery, it's kind of that same situation that while the other side of the argument was the Pharisees who, who felt entitled to God's love and forgiveness. You know, they felt like that was a part of who they were as through their training and, and through their study and memorization, they had earned God's forgiveness. But what was shown in that moment was that it doesn't take that study and intensity and training to earn God's forgiveness. It's given freely. Right. Not only and it's that, given to all were... of us. Exactly, and not only that, but they were following the law. Yeah. Right. They were doing what was right in the eyes of what was right back then. Right. They were following, as a lot of times we like to talk about, um, especially in church, when we want to excuse things, is uh, that God, God's appointed leaders, that our leaders have been appointed by God, if God is sovereign and omnipresent and all the things we believe Him to be. They were following that law, and God himself saw something that was wrong, stepped in, and told them to look past the law. Right. To look past Mm -hmm. their everyday life. To look past what makes sense to you and look at what might make more sense to the person experiencing what they're experiencing. It's good. There's a lot of power in that. Yeah. Um, Zach, what else do you have? Um, Yeah, I, I took a, a very specific scene from this episode. Um, and it is my, one of my favorite scenes in the history of television. Um, one of my favorite <laughs> jokes ever is when they're locked in, in the office together and Leslie says that because Ron won't talk to her, she's just going to sing at him until he will. And she sings, um, we didn't start the fire, but she doesn't know any of the words. <laughs> so she just says nouns. So good. It's so funny. But... Uh, what it kind of reminded me of was um, Ephesians 4.26 um, that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Um, and while I don't think that's like a 24 Jack Bauer style clock on like, you have to f- solve this today or else the <laughs> terrorists win. The Jack like, Bauer reference is really good there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the biblical picture is if you don't stop fighting before the sun goes down, you'll never solve the problem. But I think it's about 
taking active and direct steps to yeah. solve conflict. And I think in a lot of cases, that's just being willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable place and uh, have a conversation. I know that I have been on stage <clears throat> singing a song that I don't know the words to. I've been guilty of it entirely too many times. That's deeply <laughs> uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> I've done it in a church setting and I've done it in a uh, stage career setting. So I understand it fully well how absolutely horrifying that is. But it was a, it was a way for Leslie to put herself in that situation and and try to dig out the root of the conflict instead of also going silent and, and refusing to engage the same way that Ron did. Zach, I want to I want to ask you a question, and and Alex, you can answer too. But but thinking about the the enneagram, Zach, I know but you Zach's are important. you are a nine, <laughs> right? I am. Yeah. So so keeping the peace for those of you who aren't familiar with the enneagram. Um, it's, it's a personality test and, and nine is all about being the, the peacemaker and not loving mm -hmm. conflict. So talk to me about like, do you feel that, that you struggle with conflict and, and as somebody who does, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I, one thing that I think I've observed in that space is, uh, historically for me, at least my, my tendency a lot of times has been to keep peace by shying away from conflict um, and just not wanting to engage um, in a lot of ways. I, I have a little bit of Ron in me in that, that I just, if I can back up and give ground and, and not be difficult, then eventually the conflict is going to going to go away. But I think it's, it's interesting that nine lands right next to eight. It's soup um, yeah. in between eight and one is right. Wild. That nine peacemaker can so easily have that eight, um, like agitator and argumentative Rawr. wing. Um, you you know you can land right in between those two. And while I tend to be more wing one than wing eight, um, I I definitely recognize that tendency of like as soon as I am in conflict, I really want way. to win. I'm all the way in conflict. Yeah. And that was that was something I observed while I was in school, especially in the last couple of years, is like when there would be a conflict within the department and somebody wanted to talk to leadership in, in our department, I was like, I will step up and I will argue about this for the next three days and no one can stop me from doing it. And while I would usually want to back up from it, I also have to sometimes check myself to not go too far to the other extreme and find the medium where it's actually a productive conversation and it's not shying away and it's not being overly aggressive. Yeah, so Melody, classic nine, my fiance. And I am very, very much a, like you said, Zach, like I, we have to fix this right now. Yeah. Sort of guy. Like, I do not want to go to bed angry at each other. Like, I don't want to do that because then we'll wake up angry at each other and then we'll spend the day angry at each other. And like, we have to fix this. And Melody is so, if, if we start to argue, I'm going to really argue. And so <laughs> I don't want to do it at all. Yeah, same sort of thought process. Like, I'm going to step back because if if I step into it, I'm going to be mean. Yeah, right. Uh, or yeah. at least I believe that is how she feels in some instances. She's in the other room. She might come in here barging through and tell me I'm misrepresenting her. But No, she's a nine, so I actually attest that she won't. Yeah, actually, she'll probably <laughs> stay in there. Yeah. Um, but it is something that has actually been really 
for us, like I've had to make myself, even though I am not a fan of conflict, I've had to make myself specifically with Melody, like force myself into that ugly uncomfortable of, we have to talk about this right now. Like there, mm. there is not, I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about it, but we have to. So I'm going to be the aggressor here. Mm. Yeah. Like, I'm going to dive into this, um, which also just kind of brings me to like everyday life over the last recently. Um, a question I've been giving myself is what have I thought about today that made me uncomfortable? Yeah. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Cause if I didn't have something, that I thought about or talked about or was a part of that made me uncomfortable, then I probably wasn't very productive. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just uh, getting comfortable often means that we're there, there's no productive thing happening for us. We're not growing yeah. if we're just sitting comfortable. It either means that we are willingly choosing to not grow or we are being very ignorant. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And we're willingly choosing to not grow in that aspect. Um, yeah. one thing that kind of made me think of was, um, in, in a conflict class I took, there was this idea that was really interesting and it said that conflict is kind of like music. And the way I thought of it was like, if you take a, a chord, sometimes it's good and sometimes you, it's bad. well, well, I'm kind of, but like if you distort the chord, then like when you go back to like the chord at its full interval, like you have so much more like. It, it feels so much better. It sounds so much better mm. because you've experienced mm. the distorted, like the minor, or the suspension, whatever it was. You now have a better like connection with the full chord, but you wouldn't. It would just be a normal chord if you didn't experience the distorted version. Yeah, you could even say that. I want to bounce off your thing because you could even say that just in the way that music works inherently in, in a scale. You know, your tonic, your one doesn't really mean a lot by itself but as you play the scale up you hit that seven you hit that point of tension that that final note before you get back to the tonic at the new octave right. and there's tension there and it's difficult but then that makes that release so much more satisfying because yeah. you you can experience what it's like to almost get there but not quite get there that change is really good yeah that's really good i like that i think we had a lot of good stuff there we did a good job. I'm proud of us. <laughs> quick, quick pat on the back. Yeah, that was good work, us. Man. You know, Nobody else is going to do it for us. So. <laughs> Nobody else is going to do it. I was going to say round of applause, but I'm not going to clap into this microphone. Absolutely not. Um, we'll put in like a, like a laugh track, but it's just people clapping. It's like a golf clap in the background. Right? Just a respectful golf Here. Clap. And on to that, I... Okay, I'm probably not going to do that. I'm going to be honest with you guys. <laughs> But on to that, there was a comment made in this that I really want us to talk about. And it was, why don't people eat breakfast for every meal? That is such a good question. I think I disagree. Wow. There there are... You can't eat... Well, I mean, I guess... Okay, now... It would have to be (laughs) different breakfast. I'm talking myself around in circles. why does breakfast, why do people think it's not applicable at all times of day? Or are you literally thinking three times a day, seven days a week? Three times a day, seven days a week. Is sure. Too. Yes. Too much of a good that breakfast is always thing. an option. Sure. Yeah. Breakfast I is always an option. I love breakfast for dinner. And anybody who says differently, please find a different podcast. See, I love breakfast for dinner, but if that was yeah, all that I was eating for, for dinner, I would in. get real tired of it. 
Now, I'm going to throw a different point at this that, that my wonderful sister Elizabeth has long said that it's foolish how we put different foods at different times of day. Like, why? how did we determine that pancakes are a morning thing? I think but my like, sister used this to argue that I should use I should eat steak for breakfast one time. I think that's a legit I mean, conversation I've had with her. I mean, steak and eggs is People a thing. People eat steak it? and eggs. I was gonna say like I mean, pasta never do, has felt like a breakfast Ugh. food to me. Like yeah. breakfast pasta, but also why? Because why couldn't what it be would a breakfast? Be thing? Breakfast pasta? Would it be Just like pasta? Gravy and why eggs? can't you eat it in the morning? Um, spaghetti oh, with I... maple syrup, like an elf. Oh, yeah, pop tarts oh. and and. Fruit That's Redonka Donka Dickolus to bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't said Redonka Donka Dickolus in a long time. I what we need to do is we need to have people submit us a word. So, like, if you're curious, just and send we, us a word. Slip it We've got to try and slip it into the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Plainsightpod at gmail.com. <laughs> Give us a word. That's or really directly good. DM one of us on Twitter. And then yeah, we can see you, if we can guess what the word is. are, yeah. you know one of us pretty well. Just, just That's very know. good. That's if you don't, you funny. can find us. Yeah, we're, um, we're searchable. I think it it depends. Uh, to talk about bridging the gap, uh, Wendy's, I have a take here. Okay. Wendy's just came out with breakfast. Have either of you had Wendy's breakfast? I have not. No, but I go by Wendy's to get breakfast every morning, so maybe I will tomorrow. Their breakfast <laughs> baconator? That does oh sound good. my Gosh, it's like this. It, so, the sausage in it is in a square, like a Wendy's burger. It's like kind of burgery, but it's not a burger. It's got eggs, bacon, some mayo, and it's on a hamburger bun. It is like a morph of I a baconator like of and words. a breakfast sandwich. And it's just amazing. I can't even pretend like I don't like it. Now, like I don't love it. On a, on a different but similar thing, when McDonald's started doing all-day breakfast, did we all take advantage of that? Because I know I did for a while. Oh, yeah. oh come on now. No well, question. I can't tell you how many midnight breakfasts I had. <laughs> so, I think that's the thing. There's not a noon breakfast. Like, there's not like a 3 o'clock in the afternoon breakfast, but there's an early morning breakfast and a late night breakfast. Yeah. Without a doubt. For sure. I will say my favorite breakfast item at McDonald's was always the Cinnamelt. They don't have those mm. anymore. I know, and it hurts me. It hurts. Sometimes I dream about the Cinnamelt. I'm just going to be honest about that. Most of the time <laughs> I dream about the Cinnamelt. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh, Alex. I wish we could educate you, but unfortunately it's gone. <laughs> it was so but, uh, good. Is it as tragic as High C being gone? Similar energy. Yes. Yeah. Same energy, but I think the Cinnamel belongs at least on the same level, if not higher, of a tragedy. Yeah. Oh, man. The, the high C was heartbreaking. That was um, tough. On I mean, to the next thing. One, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to talk about the Cinnamel from some more, so we should, we should move on. <laughs> okay, we should get let's move on before Cam, <laughs> where Cam leaves the pod. Um, okay, yeah, but one more thing about the Cinnamel. <laughs> <laughs> um... Leslie, Ron, I'm going to bring this up again, and I want you guys to give me your contestants. Are Greatest we in the silly zone? TV show characters of all time. I'm Ooh. taking Ron Swanson. Zachary Kuyat specifically, because you're the one that's going to give me 83 different names. Go. Oh, that's... Oh, Rebuttal. man. There was no prep for this. I just got to come up with greatest of all time. Who's greater than Ron Swanson? Uh, okay, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into a show that um, it's been a while since I was like deeply invested in, but I think it's gonna be okay. hard to argue greatest TV character of all time on the longest running show in the history of television. I'm going to th- I'm going to say the doctor from Doctor Who is the greatest TV character of all time. What about Roger the Alien? Are you going to go with the Alex, shut up. Are you going to go with a specific <laughs> doctor? Like are you No, because David they're all Tennant the same character. Uh, what I okay, I okay. if I was going to pick one, I would pick David Tennant. David Tennant, but obviously. What I what I'm saying is that because that's one character that has existed on TV for 50 years and you can find any version of that character you want because there's 13 of them. I'm saying that that is collectively the greatest TV character of all time. Okay, if mine. You can put Ron Swanson in a room with. Oh, go, go ahead. I was going to say same energy. Nick Miller from uh, New Girl. I mean, same energy as what? <laughs> the Doctor. Listen, this man dropped some of uh, up with Ron Swanson some of the best, just like one phrase of all time. Oh, for sure. Like, when he said... Woody from Psych? I'm not convinced I ever learned how to read. I just memorized, I just memorized a lot of the words. words. That is so good. Um, I really like uh, you use rubbing alcohol for outside wounds and drinking alcohol for inside wounds. Um, <laughs> I think about I would, that a lot. I would like to throw to this conversation Abed. Because I think Abed oh, from Abed Community is, is one of the choice. most fascinating characters. He's interesting. If I'm going to pick a favorite character from that show, though, it's going to be Troy. Sure, but if we're talking just like overall fascination as a character, I bet it's fascinating. His breaking like yeah. the fourth wall and his obsession with TVs and movies, incredible. We've got to do a community episode at some point. What happens if you put Barney Stinson and Ron Swanson in a room for 24 hours to hash out their difficulties? They don't get along. They don't yeah, want to be friends. I, think I, I imagine Ron opposites puts, in every bad way. Yeah, Ron puts Barney in a chokehold after like minute 20. And that's about it. How many times does Barney try and get Ron to suit up? <laughs> uh, I think once, and then he gets punched in the nose and doesn't wake up for another 24 hours. <laughs> I think Ron's got a mean right hook. For I think he's sure. got a mean Clearly. left hook, too. He's got a mean every he hook. Looks like, he looks like he's straight out of the bare-knuckle boxing era. Like he, he <laughs> He's is got like boxing. that... That low, like, oh, man. Why man, like uppercut. Why, 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 wise guy. <laughs> That's Ron Swanson, just quieter. And now on to <laughs> Zachary's game. Uh, Patty Melt or Ron Swanson's mustache? <laughs> can I can I give a hot take? Yeah, go ahead. Please do. A silly swing. Um, Leslie's version of We Didn't Start the Fire is arguably better than the original. Not arguably, it is. <laughs> It's so good. Just throwing nouns out there. It's incredible. <laughs> I honestly think that's how the original was written. Honestly, what's one of my favorite things is one of the first things she says. She says, like, a couple real countries, and then she says other places afterwards. It's like, red, China, other places. And I don't know why that's so funny to me. Because <laughs> honestly, I think he just Googled nouns, and then was just like, that one? That one, that one, and just picked up. It's a song that must, it's got to have some kind of like political underpinning because it's, it's so many buzzwords in that song, but man, it really feels like just a list of things. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a list of things, 
I'm hoping that's what's in your game today. That's what I'm I'm trying to throw it to you. What if he just didn't have a game? He hasn't told us that he does yet. Wouldn't that be a fun no, twist? Zach, you have a game. What if I just didn't bring one? I do, the game I is guessing one. what Zach's game is, and like that's it. <laughs> then he makes one off the fly. <laughs> so now's the time for the greatest podcast game show name in the history of podcast game show names on the greatest podcast game show in the history of podcast game shows. Laffrey with Zachary. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Ron Swanson. Oh, Ron Burgundy and Ron, Sw- Ron, Ron Swanson. Swanson? That's Ooh, a good combo. duality. That's good. Uh, before we do anything, I need somebody to give me a number between 1 and 342. 7. 12. I heard 7 first, so I'm going to take it, but then I'm going to check 12 if I don't like what's on 7. Um, but I'm going to go from the back because it's more dramatic that way. I found this old book in a haunted house, um, okay. and I thought maybe I could I could uh, find a friendly ghost to tell us the answer. So I'm just going to... Is it the ghost seven. of John Belushi? That ghost does not look friendly. I'm going to page 12. Okay. Uh, page 12, uh, really I found... Oh, there's a, there's a ghost uh, in my house now. Hopefully I can get him to go back into the book afterwards. What's crazy is that... Um, if only Angelo were you, here. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a name ghost in my house? My name is Alex. <laughs> so it sounds like Alex is going first this week because this ghost's name is Alex. Hey, will you go? Will you go back in the book for a second? I already read that one. What if I open a different book for you? Yeah, here you go. Go in this one. I opened an actual Don't book give and the also Hunger made Games. the sound effect at the same time. <laughs> I grabbed an actual book off my desk and then also made the sound with my mouth. What, what <laughs> book is he? What book is he going into? Um, the one in my hand is a play called The Cost of Living by Martina Majok. It won the Pulitzer Prize, and I did a monologue from it for an audition a few weeks ago. So if you're looking for any good drama, read that one. It'll make you sad. Yay! Anyway, the ghost of some guy named Alex is now haunting my script, so hopefully that's not a problem later. This week, Alex, you're going first. We're playing... Uh, it, I don't know how I could have done anything else. We're playing We Didn't Start the Fire, Real or Nope, or backed by popular demand, both. This week, real or nope is really yes. freaking you like that good, one? Zach. Real or nope? <laughs> I it was right there at my fingertips and I couldn't <laughs> stop it. Basically, what I'm going to give you is either a word or phrase from one of the versions of "We Didn't Start the Fire." It can either be the real version, it can be the Leslie Nope version, or it can be both. Backed by popular demand, because we've talked in the last two or three games about maybe there could be a both for this category. It's back. <clears throat> so, Alex, we throw it both. to you first. It's a very simple game. You tell if you think it's real, you say real. If you think it's fake, you say nope. If you think it's both, you say both. Question number one of "We Didn't Start the Fire," real, nope, or both? To Alex. Disneyland. Real, nope, or both? Nope. I'm sorry, Disneyland is in the real version of We Didn't Start the Fire. A commanding 0-0 situation, Cam, your chance to take the lead here in the first round. (laughs) Cam, Ian McKellen, real, nope, or both? Nope. That is correct. Ian McKellen is not in the real version of We Didn't We Didn't Start the Fire, but he is in Leslie Nope's nonsense version. I remember like hearing Ian McKellen today, and it doesn't and, fit in the rhythm. At yeah, all. and I was like, uh, I don't remember Ian him McKellen. being in the last one. <laughs> yeah, you're, that one sticks out, but I it was too good to not put it in there. Alex, real nope or both? 
Red China. Nope. I'm sorry, Red China is in both versions of the song. <laughs> Red China. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you don't have to throw stuff if you start getting questions, bro. I'm going to tell you that right now. Red China is one of the first lyrics of the real song. I think it may be the first lyric of the real song. It is. Oh, my gosh. I don't know the real song, okay? That's what I was hoping for. Okay, Cam, a chance to take a 2-0 lead here after the Large fries, chocolate shake. (laughs) That was, I actually almost made a game that was We Didn't Start the Fire or the Fairly Odd Parents theme song. So, <laughs> I'm glad that's in my head then. That's good. There was a chance that it came real, Man, but I want my water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have thrown it across the room then. Cam, question two to you Wheel of Fortune, real nope or both? Nope. I'm sorry, Wheel of Fortune is only in the real version of the song. Somehow Wheel of Fortune is a real (laughs) lyric in the song, We Didn't Start the Fire. This is such a weird song. It's a nonsense song. I mean, it's like fun and I like it a lot, but also it's crazy. Uh, Alex, we're going back to you. What an ex-girlfriend take. She's like fun and I liked her a lot, but also also she's crazy. crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And on to the next one before Zach says anything. Go ahead. I'm not going to say anything. Back to you for round number three. Uh, this is your chance to tie the game back up. Okay. Rock and Roller Cola Wars. Real nope or both? Real. That is correct. Rock and Roller Cola Wars is a lyric in the actual version of We Didn't Start the Fire. I don't know what it means. It feels very... Another version of this game that almost materialized was... Um, we didn't start the fire or come together by the Beatles because both of them are just collections of nouns. And yeah. also both good songs. Yeah, true. Cam, the game is tied now. You're going to need it? to take your lead back. It is. It's oh, a it one-to-one it tie. Is, is. I thought uh, I had two. Have to, you no, did. you have one. Dang it. You missed your, set, your chance to take a 2-0 lead. I didn't actually know. I did. I'm keeping score, I promise. Um... Cam, your third round question. Harry Truman, real nope or both? I, I'm pretty sure that's in the real. It's just a matter of if it's in the nope. I'm going to go real. I'm sorry. Harry Truman is in both versions Dang! of the song. Your instinct was right to think about it. You just didn't think about it hard enough. Harry Truman Leslie so Nope does also say Harry Truman. I thought about it hard enough, but I mean, I wasn't going to learn it in this moment. So <laughs> That is a good point. Harry Truman was everywhere I stepped as a child. Oh, because you're an independence yeah, guy. I was like sense. in the same neighborhood as the house where he lived. Oh. Did you ever meet his ghost? Uh, no, I was in the house, though. His Fun fact, his daughter went to of the, the same elementary the school I went to. Wait. <laughs> and one time someone tried to come and kidnap her and, like, the Secret oh, Service not, had to intervene. But, like, not at the same time, No, not right? at the same time. She died when I was in elementary school. <laughs> of old well, age. that's what I thought you were saying. I got confused. <laughs> well, um, uh, which president? I think it's Zachary Taylor has living grandchildren. Like, that's he wild. had a kid when he was, like, 70, and then his son had a kid when he was, like, 70. And he like will have a kid the when he's like seven. Twelve, 
Maybe. One of the first, like, 12 presidents has living grandchildren. That's ridiculous. Which is wild. That's ridonkadonkadiculous, if we're being That is ridonkadonkadiculous right there. Okay, Alex. It's a 1-1 tie going into the last regular round of questions. So this is your chance to take your first lead of the game. Bring it. Alex. Pots and pans. Real nope or both? Nope. With authority, that is the correct yeah. answer. Pots and Pans is a Leslie Nope original and not a real lyric of We Didn't Start the Fire. Cam, you've got to tie the game up here to try to take it to the bonus round or else Alex is the winner this week. Cam, Sugar Ray, real Nope or both? Real. That is correct. Sugar Ray is a real lyric to the song We Didn't Start the Fire. And quite honestly, that confused me because I thought the, sh- the band Sugar Ray was after this song. So I was really trying to figure out how that appeared in the song. It confused me when I was reading through the lyrics for this game. Was it and the now, boxer Sugar Ray? That's what I was Sugar assuming. Sugar Ray Baby. I, I wasn't thinking about that when I first read it. And also, I was, I was thinking about Mark McGrath <laughs> was the problem. Um, I was thinking too hard about Mark McGrath and it ruined the whole thing for me. And now we've moved to the bonus question. As per usual, I'm going to take the first answer I hear. If somehow you are both wrong, I will declare this game a tie. Hank Humberfloob. I don't have anything else after this. <laughs> the bonus question for all the marbles. We didn't start the fire real nope or both. Peter Piper. Both. Real. The worst has happened to us. The correct (laughs) answer is nope, so I'm declaring this week a tie. The real answer (laughs) is nope. Peter Pan, I believe it's Peter Pan, is in the real version of the song, but Peter Piper is in Leslie Nope's version of the song. And so no one wins this week. Same difference. I guess Alex kind of half wins for saying both, but that doesn't count for anything. Nope. I half win. That's a half a point. I half a win. Nope. I'm giving that a nope with a K. That's so dumb. That's so dumb. Um, a nope. <laughs> Man. <laughs> At the end. <laughs> I, I'm so mad. Hey, can I, can I give one more? Somebody texted me um, yeah, let's her feelings about Ron and Leslie's relationship. Yeah, we'll end on this. We'll um, take it out. She said, OMG, and all caps. Um, and she said, so OMG, so in her wedding episode, she said her dad died, and he's the most significant father figure in her life. And even though they're very different, they still learn and grow from each other. Which I think that summarizes kind of what we were saying really well. Yeah, I see you, I He's value you, I acknowledge your experience. Beautiful. Um, that's the Plainside Podcast. That was a lot of fun. Was it, boys? It was good a good time. one. I had Man. fun. So thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, subscribe. Give us a review. It's the only way to let people that aren't our moms listen to us. Um, and hit us up, <laughs> plainsightpod at gmail.com, plainsightpod.wordpress.com. Because uh, we're not paying for a domain at the moment. Um, hashtag cheap. <laughs> but, or plainside underscore pod. Check us out, please. We want to hear from you. Um, we want to put your beautiful opinions on the podcast. Thank you so much. Peace out. Girl Scout, wash your hands.